Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Hey, this is Pat Gamble, defense alignment from Georgia Tech, and you'll listen to On the Fence Side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Inside. It ain't the left side. Thank you, Solo right D. Welcome side. to another episode of On the Fence Side. As we approach the NFL draft, Brian Catanzaro and Paul Picken joining you. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, YouTube, and Spreaker. We have Chris Kaufman joining us, resuming our draft segment as we continue and approach the NFL draft less than three weeks away. So, Chris, uh, taking a look at the beginning of this class, kind of a thin defensive tackle group compared to previous years. Dolphins picked 22nd in the first round. Does anybody really stick out at you as somebody the Dolphins may consider a 22? I've heard Malik McDowell and Caleb Brantley in that late first round, early second round area. Well, I would say that uh, Caleb Brantley would surprise me a lot if uh, the Dolphins went ahead and picked him at 22 overall. I think that the guys to keep an eye on for the first round, and there's kind of just an outside possibility that they go with either one of these guys, would be Malik McDowell but also Jonathan Allen. And the reason that I say Jonathan Allen is because he does have some shoulder issues and they do have a couple of NFL teams very concerned. They will probably have the Dolphins concerned, but the Dolphins seem to uh, be more willing to take on medical risk than some other teams have been. So if you see Jonathan Allen kind of go crashing down the board on draft day, then you could see the Dolphins jump up and go ahead and take him. Uh, And and the reason that they would probably feel comfortable doing it is, is similar to the Laramie Tunsil situation a year ago, is this is a guy that can play defensive tackle for them, which is, you know, third the third defensive tackle in the rotation is sort of a need for them, but also a guy that can play some defensive end. He played some defensive end at Alabama, and he has the movement skills of a defensive end. So he can do both of those things. Malik McDowell is a possibility, probably not so much as a defensive tackle, as a base defensive tackle for them, but I think think Malik McDowell might be in line for just a straight-up move out to defensive end. When I watch him play, there are two guys in Montrevious Adams and Jonathan Allen who are defensive tackles that can move like defensive ends and can move out there and play like a defensive end and play pretty well because they just have that kind of athletic ability and uh, skill set. But Malik McDowell is more of a guy who seems like he's always been a defensive end and just is playing defensive tackle, and, and that might not be the best fit for him at the NFL level because there isn't a whole lot of history of guys that look like Malik McDowell are built like him and play like him, uh, going ahead and playing defensive tackle in the NFL and and doing it uh, particularly well. 
So he might move out to defensive end and be sort of a comparison or a, you know an either-or guy with a Taco Charlton, who's a player that we talked about um, as a defensive end possibility for Miami at 22. But the problems, of course, with Malik start from there. You know, there are a lot of uh, questions about his off-field and uh, locker room personality, his work ethic, those sorts of things. Just the the rumor mill stuff coming out of Michigan State has uh, supposedly not been very good on Malik, and uh, that could have them turned off. But if if it's not one of those two, Jonathan Allen or or Malik as a defensive end, probably more like, then I would be surprised if it's anybody, if it's any defensive tackle at 22. I heard on ESPN First Watch, which is Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay's podcast, that Malik McDowell was the worst interview at the Combine. And one general manager who had been in the NFL for years said that it was the worst interview he'd ever had with anyone. Do you have any insight as as far as what the deal is with this guy? Is it a work ethic issue? Is it a character issue? Does he just say some stupid things here and there? Well, I, you know, I haven't heard a, a whole lot of it. I would just take it at face value. and But you also have to consider that the possibility that, that these guys are exaggerating on purpose. And also, you know, just these these NFL people, when they get into the anonymous quote part, they are kind of gossip queens, and they, they like to exaggerate and, and say things that might not have a whole lot of meaning or significance when it comes to uh, these guys' NFL careers. Uh, we've seen that before, and so you never really know but I will say that the rumor mill on him has not been great has has really been kind of bad so that's something that you have to be aware of if he goes falling down the board and you're wondering why he's still there in like the second round or uh or maybe even the third round then well okay that's it that's the reason CK I'm, I'm gonna jump in with a odd question here how much do you think Ross would still pound the table for this guy, given where he's from? I mean, we all know he pounds the table there a little bit, even though he supposedly lets his guys do their jobs. Well, first off, uh, just just to, to put this out there, the guy with the, the connections to Michigan State is actually Gaze himself, uh, who coached with and, and under uh, the head coach in Michigan State. So, they, he will have he will have good information on Malik that way, but Ross is more likely to to really pound the table for a Chris Wormley or somebody like that uh, from Michigan uh, because Ross is practically an owner of the Michigan football team. So I think that with Malik, it's not like Ross certainly wouldn't step in and say you know not him because he's a rival. He's he's from a, a rival school, but I think that he might kind of you know wink at somebody a little bit when when and if uh, a Chris Wormley or a Brill Peppers is on the board, and we'll see if anybody takes the bait. I don't think he's going to be very strong on, on, in the process, though, uh, trying to steer anybody. After we get past Malik McDowell and Caleb Brantley, and he touched on Chris Warmly, we start talking about going down into that second, third round area, at least where these guys are projected. Uh, who sticks out for you after that? Well, I think, honestly, uh, one of the most attractive and maybe the most attractive defensive tackle prospect in the draft is really Montrevious Adams of Auburn. When I look at him uh, and watch him play, it's just that he, he has that ability and that defensive end type speed and ability that uh, that makes you your jaw drop at times with the way that he can really run and, and get after the ball, but also the way that he explodes off of the snap and can get his hips into the gap. And he's just he combines all that with the brutal hand fighting ability that you want to see in a defensive tackle. 
and that that's just the whole package. It's the, you're looking at the whole package with him, but you're kind of looking at from I just want to say from an overall standpoint, the the top group of defensive tackles are full of damaged goods, and in that way, it's not uh, not surprisingly, you know, Montrevious Adams, who might actually be the most attractive defensive tackle. You know, a lot of people have thought that he's been sort of an underachiever in his time uh, at Auburn since being a, an extremely high recruit. So I, I think that he stands out. If, if you're looking at him in the second round, you might be intrigued and you might think, well, maybe maybe we should do this. But, but otherwise, I don't think that they're going to target this position very high in the first round or the second round unless somebody really falls that, that becomes very intriguing to them. Speaking of intriguing, Demarcus Walker from Florida State. I wish you were a little bit bigger. I wish you were a little bit bendier to move out maybe to the defensive end spot. Maybe he could be like that Jared Odrick role from, you know, five years ago where he starts out at the end on run plays and then moves into defensive tackle. He seems to be all over the board. You know, I've seen as high as early second round, as late as fourth round. Where do you stand on Demarcus Walker and his skill set? Well, I do like Demarcus Walker. He's always reminded me, actually, of uh, um, of like a uh, maybe perhaps a slightly less explosive version of uh, Frank Clark over in Seattle. And Frank Clark's a defensive end. I think that's what Demarcus is going to play at the next level. I think he's going to move inside to defensive tackle on pass downs because he has that size and that sort of ability, and and he also has the experience and and he's laid down some pretty good tape that way. So. But I think you're looking at him as more of a base defensive end, uh, as you kind of alluded to. Uh, he's a guy that I do like that I would be pretty high on. I wish he was – it's not that I wish he was uh, bigger. It's more that I wish he was a little bit more explosive. It's sort of like with Chris Wormley. You know, the pieces are there for Chris Wormley because he's six foot five and 300 pounds and runs really fast for that size. But when you watch Chris Wormley a lot and you keep watching and you keep trying to see this explosiveness off of the snap and, and the ability – to to really get his hips in the gap and be you know be powerful and brutal with people you're not seeing as much of that as you want to so with uh with Demarcus Walker I think it's a little bit similar in that you want to see some true explosiveness in there and you're not seeing it as often as you'd like but he is agile he can uh he can get off blocks he works his hands very well uh he's got athleticism and very technically sound player that can play inside or out and would be an asset to a team the value really doesn't seem to be in the first two rounds, especially for the Dolphins. I mean, probably for anybody. So when you get down into the – do you see the value being more in the third round where the Dolphins have one pick or in the fifth round where they have three picks? If I were to consider a defensive tackle in this draft I, I, and I were the Dolphins with their arsenal of picks, I would probably wait until those – fifth round picks before I get serious about anybody there is the possibility as I said if, if Jonathan Allen falls all the way to 22 you've really got to consider it uh, you've got to consider Montrevious Adams uh, as well just because he's such a good football player but ultimately the team has other needs and they do have Jordan Phillips and he is coming along year by year I see his track being very similar to Paul Solii and that he just keeps getting a little bit better every year. And so I think that they should probably hold off until the fifth round. Some guys that I see that could fall down that far that would be really uh, interesting would be uh, Jaron Jones of Notre Dame or possibly Charles Walker uh, of Oklahoma. 
I think that Charles Walker and uh, and Larry Ogunjobi of uh, of Charlotte, who will go much higher, actually, um, will go in the probably in the second, third round area. They remind me of one another in that these are movement types with really long arms and good hand use that can keep blockers off them. But they move like linebackers, especially when they're when they're moving uh, down the line laterally and they're working through trash. You see them you see them change directions. And it's almost linebacker-like, probably a slow linebacker like Brandon Spikes, but still. So the direction change ability is there. The They have enough uh, bulk and enough heft to really do some damage at defensive tackles, but they're very intriguing with their ability to, to work the line and move around laterally. I think Charles Walker fits in there. The problem with him is is there are some there are some issues with respect to concussions and uh and maybe some character issues that really take investigation. Uh and the other guy I mentioned for the 5th round, Jaron Jones of uh Notre Dame. This is a very tall 6 foot 6 inch, 310 something odd, something odd pounds, uh 316 pounds and uh he has a 7 foot 1 wingspan and he is brutal powerful. I mean that's that's what he is when he goes in. He's a very linear player, so he gets kind of linear penetration, but he gets he, he explodes and gets his hips into the gaps. He has very high brutality and that length dominates the passing lanes, but also, you know, dominates the quarterback's vision because he can really push a center uh, into the backfield. I don't think he's going to go very high because he's got some serious question marks about his, again, off-field, locker room, work ethic type stuff, but also because he's got an injury history. But when I watch him on tape, it's just brutal and and very attractive. And particularly, you watch him against the Miami Hurricanes. I, that game should have been declared a homicide. I mean, he was he was all over <laughs> the place, and he was amazing in that game. Uh, right. So those are the guys that I'd consider in the fifth round. Two other players I know you like, CK, are Carlos Watkins from Clemson and Dalvin Tomlinson from Alabama. Tell us a little right. bit about them and what round you foresee them going in. Roughly. Well, again, you know, if I were the Dolphins, I'm not really, I'm probably not considering anybody until we get into the value areas of the fifth round or so. Right. So, Carl, you know, Carlos Watkins, it is possible he could get down there. I see him as a guy, he's not, when you watch him, he's not particularly fast or great feet, but he does have a very strong upper body and long limbs, and he is an initial contact guy that plays with leverage, and he really just does his job. And he gets enough push and enough um, uh, enough action on passing downs that you think maybe he can play there uh, in the NFL and, and stay on the field on some downs. I actually see he and Caleb Brantley, as well as Jaleel Johnson and Vincent Taylor and Nazaire Jones, um, I see them as all very similar players, uh, almost to where you, you almost wouldn't care which one of those guys you're getting if that this is the type of player that you're looking for. Dalvin Tomlinson, I think, is a little bit of a different creature. Uh, if you're looking at him, you know, I think I don't think you're going to get him in the fifth round. He's going to go too high. But he is a guy with very, very strong upper body, and his hand use is among the best that I've seen in this entire class for any of the defensive tackles. I mean, he really has professional hands, and he he shows the anchor ability. He kind of plays like a nose, but the thing is that He's he's a little bit smaller than the nose, a six foot three and three hundred ten pounds. But he's also got a lot more lateral ability than than some of the nose. Like a true nose would be a guy like Colorado Josh Tupo, 
and that's a six foot three inch, three hundred and fifty plus pound player with a, a very big wings, wingspan who is just absolutely uh, brutal when uh, when double teamed. I mean, these these guys try and move him and they just can't. I watched him live in the Shrine practices and in the Shrine game, and it's just like double teams matter not to him. I mean, it, it's it's kind of amazing. Uh, he plays more like a true nose. I think Dalvin Tomlinson kind of plays like a nose, except he's also got that that lateral ability that makes him really attractive. That's why he's going to go in the second, third round area, where I don't think not Miami is necessarily going to get want to get involved. But um, but that's how I see him. CK, for a lot of the Dolphins fans out there that may want to take a look at some of these late round tackles, might want to take a look at some of these unknown defensive tackles. What would you recommend that they look for in a defensive tackle that fits Miami's scheme? Well, it's it's interesting because Miami has definitely looked at some of the uh, the fat guys, if you will. So guys like Steve Tui Kolavatu of USC. I think they have looked at Josh Tupo. Uh, they've they've looked at some they've looked at some of the bigger players that you think of as run stoppers. If I were looking for somebody for them, though, I'm looking for more of a, a gap penetration guy, and like Jaron Jones that I mentioned, very uh, linear and brutal, powerful player. But another guy that uh, that they'll be looking at, actually two guys that they'll be looking at, would be uh, UCLA's Eddie Vanderdoes and Indiana's Ralph Green. Uh, and Eddie Vanderdoes, uh, unfortunately, he's he's another instance of uh, kind of wasted potential. But he has first step and initial push uh, explosive ability that makes you makes you really think of Montrevious Adams. Uh, you know, the first couple of steps, the first uh, couple of blows, he looks like Montrevious Adams. But then it really breaks down from there because he's 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 a little bit sloppy, too fat, and he doesn't have a lot of lateral ability uh, to run around. He spins a lot to try and to try and get off the blocks, and some coaches uh, are going to have some feelings about that, about turning your back to the ball. But everything with him is all about that explosive initial step and that initial burst and, and getting into the gap. And that's what Ralph Green is about, too. It's all about the explosive first move. And that's what I would look at in Miami's scheme is these guys that can get off of the ball get their hips into the gap, especially if they're long-limbed and uh, and have good height because then they can dominate the passing lanes. And um, and that's really valuable in Miami's scheme with the way that uh, the way that they play, the way that what they installed under Jim Washburn. We have covered 20 to 25 defensive tackles, and <laughs> I'd say right around the 20-minute mark. Where else can you get that prior to the draft other than from C.K. Parrott? Follow him on Twitter. For year-round NFL Draft, Miami Dolphins News. And with that, we are going to sign off. Follow us on YouTube, on iTunes, Spreaker, Twitter, Facebook. You know where to find us. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fifth side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fifth side. side. It ain't the left side side. or the right Right side. side. And it must be the fifth side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in To see what Brian, Cat, and Paul about to do again We rep our team, you can't change, stop, or ruin it All we need is to figure what to do to win Fans Radio, live and direct 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.